get started. I always like to start with something a little bit funny, just because I think it's entertaining that God has a sense of humor, right? So I remember years ago, I heard a joke about, uh, it was an old Anglican church that had had, uh, you know, they were all the old white churches, and the paint was coming off the church, so they had put out a little thing in their bulletin saying that they wanted somebody to volunteer to, to paint, but they would pay them some money, but not enough that the job was really worth. So anyway, this older gentleman had said that he would do it, and so they told him how much the budget was, and, and he thought in his mind, he thought, if it's latex paint, if I can thin it out a little bit, he said, I'll be able to spread it out to the church, and I'll make a little bit more money. So that's what he did. So that following week, he prepared himself to paint the church. Well, soon after he finished painting the church, it rained cats and dogs for a day and a half. What happened? All the paint washed around the side of the church. Right? There was a big ring all the way around the church. So the minister called him to his office, and he says, Sir, you... you uh, he painted the church, I see, but it's not on the building. He said, well, he said, it's not my fault. He said, well, he said, I've prayed about it, and God said, you need to repaint and thin no more. <laughs> it, a dad joke, right? A dad joke. I'm glad you finally got it. So I, I got to share with you a little bit. Uh, so we've been doing uh, men's prayer on Saturday mornings, and uh, you know what? There's a real a camaraderie that's coming with the group of men that come out. I encourage anybody, that, any men that are here to come out. Uh, I encourage them to come out on, and the reason we do it at 7 o'clock is because truthfully, there's nothing that really goes on between 7 and 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning that most people have to attend. They normally do things that most stores don't until after 8 o'clock or whatever the case. So I'm not going to pinpoint anybody or point fingers. I'm just teasing, okay? So at the end of the day, we really want God's Spirit to move on our lives and make change. And the only way that's going to happen is by us doing things that are different, right? It's not about me doing the same thing today that I did yesterday and expecting change to occur. It's about me stepping out and doing something different today. And that different today, note from the Pastor Paul just spoke about make someone smile, be kind to somebody, be gentle to somebody, love somebody. When you make a change, Today, it'll affect your tomorrow, right? We're sowing seed. We're making a difference. God spoke to me about making the difference. So sometimes we minimize uh, what we do and how we pray and the effectiveness of our prayers. And uh, I've seen some pretty miraculous things happen over the past year, probably. I've seen it my whole life. Um, Again, minimizing, see? Uh, I want to maximize at the end of the day, every word that proceeds out of my mouth brings life or death. Choose this day which I'll give, right? So, that being said, when we pray, we cause change to occur in our world. Two Saturdays ago, as men, we prayed. We prayed that there would be changing in our government. That we would see God's hand move in our country. Not that there would be disasters, but the people that are in the wrong places would begin to step down. Well, I'm not minimizing a thing. I'm going to tell you, 48 hours later, Steve McNeil stepped down. The following Saturday, we prayed again. Three days later, Bill Morneau stepped down. God's on the move. What I'm here to speak to you about well, before we get going on that, I guess we'll pray. We'll pray that God will reveal some stuff here to us. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity of being able to 
speak your word and to speak to people, speak into their lives. And I pray that you would uh, unstop deaf ears, Lord, that you would open blind eyes. You would reveal your goodness to people today, that you would reveal your spirit of truth and life, that people would be changed and that hearts would be drawn closer to you. In the name of Jesus, I ask. Amen. So we've already touched on what I'm going to speak on today. Every time somebody opened their mouth this morning, they went there. That just tells me that I was hearing the word of God directly to me for you. So, Pastor Paul, you started to go there. I thought you were going to go right to the verse, so uh, you don't have to open your Bibles. He was already talking about Malachi. He was talking about verse 10 in Malachi, where God said, test me. But I got to take you back to verse 6, because that's what I'm going to speak to you about. It says, I am God. And I change not. Think about it. I am God, and I change not. He's the same yesterday that he is today, and he's the same tomorrow. He does not change. That is a truth you can stand on. His word is true. He's not a man that he should lie. You need to invest in the thought process. We quite often speak about Romans 8.28, how to think about yourself, how to think about life. If we truly believe that Romans 8.28 is real, that all things work together for our good, if we really believe that, then when something that seems wrong comes against you in your life, what is it? Anybody? It's for your good. So if it's for your good, it shouldn't get the best of you. It might not feel good at the time, but that's when you turn off your feelings and you say, okay, i got to walk this thing out. And that's how we learn. That's how we grow. That's how we become more Christ-like. At the end of the day, if we're going to make a difference in a world that we live in, does anybody here want to affect change in our world? Anybody? Anybody? Show of hands. So, anybody awake? Anybody? Going once? Going twice? Oh, I, winner over here. Okay. So, who wants revival? Do you know what revival is? It starts in here, right? Who wants God? Who wants to be more like God? We were created in his image, so that tells me we were already there. However, due to Adam's sin, shortfall, we might have deviated from the path. It's up to us to draw back, draw near to God, and he will draw near to us, right? Well, that's a lot to get out in two seconds. Dry as a church pew. <laughs> we don't have pews. We have chairs. We're good. <clears throat> God is good. So this morning, after I've already done my studies and prayer and spent some time with God, that he was able to speak to me. And this has been, this is not something that I prepared in a day. This is not something that I prepared in a week. This has been years of my life in thought process. So I'm not the same person I used to be. Thank God. My wife is laughing. All right. So in the, I, I gave some scripture verses back to uh, John and Annette, uh, and I didn't necessarily give all of them to him. So some of them I'm just going to kind of pass through. So I'm going to read this to you, though. It's uh, 2 Corinthians. God spoke to me this morning, and some people that are in the assembly 
I sent this to them. So 2 Corinthians 6, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, so I'll just read some important parts. When we as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time, and behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no offense in anything, that our ministry may not be blamed, but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God, in as much patience and tribulations, in needs and distress, and it goes on through several verses of telling us all the different things that we can go through, the purities, the kindness, the truth, the life, the power. To get us down to verse uh, 11. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our hearts is wide open. You have, are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same... I'm going to skip that one because it gets into a whole different subject. But Restricted to us by our own affections. There is no restrictions put on our lives other than what we place on ourselves. Isn't that something? We do it to ourselves. God allowed us to have everything, life, life more abundantly. If we choose to walk in it, it's up to us. He doesn't put any restrictions. The restrictions are on us following after him, following after his word, becoming more like him. We have to seek first his kingdom, right? The next verse I'm going to read to you is out of uh, Galatians 2.20, and it's funny. My friend sent this to me this morning, Larry. And it fit right in with what I was going to, so I thought it was fitting. And it's in the Passion, so I'm going to read it off my phone. So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom, the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then, only then, all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Do you think maybe we get things confused in our lives? We want things before we want the truth. We want things before we want God first. That's not the way it works. God's got it set up that when you seek after him first, when you're following after his will, then you get the lesser things. Otherwise, we're focused after our will and what we want. And what we want isn't always the best for our lives. I've proven it. I don't know how many of you have, but... I see the pastor's laughing, so he's seen it some point in time in his own life. God wants you to know today that he loves you. He always has, regardless of your past, regardless of sin. He's in love with you. And he loves you. From the beginning of time, if you look back in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve, God's entire purpose was based on restoration, about restoring the relationship that he had with man. The whole scripture is based on restoring relationship. When we go from the front to the back, it's based on repairing what was broken. All the parables, all the different stories are based on fixing the brokenness. So he wants to restore the proper relationship with man and with woman. Uh, Adam's sin placed a veil or a caveat that was between he and God. But Jesus, through his death and resurrection, Removed it. Now there's nothing, I mean nothing, standing between you and Almighty God other than your man, yourself. 
Jesus made it possible for all of us to attain that life. He's an amazing creator. El Shaddai, Yahweh, Alpha and Omega, the beginning, the end. Romans 8, 38 and 39 tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Interesting, eh? So sometimes we just take things out of context. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Well, that's not entirely true. Sin can. Right? God still loves us, but we're allowing that separation, that caveat. The preceptor in that verse is, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is the mediator. He's the one that sits in intercession on our behalf. So if he's the preceptor, how do we figure out how to be in the right relationship with Christ? It's a good question, right? First, we have to ask the Lord Jesus into our heart, forgive us of our sin or our unrighteousness. And the second, this is where we get to do our part. We have to engage our lives on a journey of relationship, one with the Father. See, God is a jealous God, and I don't want to paint him as being something he's not. But think about this for a second. Has anyone experienced maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband and wife that has jealousy issues? Has anybody experienced somebody that was jealous before? Anybody? Wake up. Who's up? Come on. Oh, Tim. Okay, good. So we've all, I think everybody here has probably seen it. If they haven't experienced it themselves, they watched it happen. It's not pretty. But why does it happen? Because someone is splitting their time with somebody else or they're, or they're sharing something that somebody else feels that it's intimate or, or communal with them, right? A breach in that relationship. It brings an overwhelming sick feeling to the person that's jealous. It might very well bring the overwhelming sick feeling to the person that's on the other side of that. It disturbs or consumes your innermost being. Think about it. That's how God feels when we allow distractions or separations that pull us away from him. That's what the scripture means by he's a jealous God. He wants you to himself. He'll do anything for you. Anything. As long as it's within his will. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? I find it amazing. I don't know. He wants to restore us. Uh, Exodus 34, 14 says, um, You shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. He doesn't want to share you with anybody. That doesn't mean you can't have friends and family and loved ones. He wants to be first. That means when you get up in the morning, he's who you say good morning to first. When you wake up in the morning, and I've said this before, do you say, good Lord, it's morning, or do you say, good morning, Lord? It's two different positions, right? Which one are you? Before your feet hit the ground, I, I got a laugh in the back. That's good. We've all experienced both, I think. So I try to make it a part of my mind that when I wake up, I say, good morning, Lord. He's my God. Can you turn to uh, Matthew 6.33 in the New King James? It says, uh, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So simple, eh? Why is it we don't seek first the kingdom of God? 
Anybody know? Self-serving? I don't, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Not pointing fingers. <laughs> I wouldn't point a finger. I've been there. I've done that. God's teaching me mercy. Share mercy. Because except for the grace of God, there go I. Right? In the Passion, the same verse reads, So above all, chase after the realm of God's kingdom and righteousness that precedes him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. So what is God's kingdom? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Encyclopedia Britannica says, The spirit realm over which God is king, or the fulfillment on earth of God's will. Wow. What is righteousness? Another great question. Thank you, Don. Wikipedia tells us righteousness is the quality or state of being morally correct, justifiable. So let's expand Matthew 6, 33. So above all else, chase or seek after the spirit realm over which God is king. Above all else, chase after the spirit realm over which God is king. The fulfillment of God's will on earth. Do you think we would make a difference in the world that we come in contact with if that's what we did? If we chased after the fulfillment of God's will here today on earth. Second part, a state of being morally correct and justifiable that proceeds from him. How we become perfect or righteous before him is by being in contact. That's how we learn. We don't learn by just getting up and going through our day and saying, oh, I'm a Christian and I'm trying to be a good person. You learn by getting the word of God, the truth, into your mind that it, that it empowers you. The second part of Matthew uh, 6.33, which is about giving things, uh, less important things, abundantly to you, it's a sermon in itself. So let's just stay focused. I started with uh, Malachi, uh, I am God, and I change not. So let's just do a quick review. God wants to restore relationships. He's not willing that any should perish, but we need to be in right relationship in order to see the restoration completed. We play. We play the integral part in seeking after God. We have to do it. We have to get up. We have to read. We have to spend time in prayer. I challenge somebody, anybody, do it. Try it. Five minutes. If you don't like it, tell me. Really, let me know. Because I'll challenge you to try 10. And then I'll try in 15 and, until you love it. How about that? <clears throat> If we want revival, if we want to see change in our world that we come in contact with, we need to change. We need to step into a new place with God. That's a, a change in our prayer life. That's a change in our study life. That we become fortified with the word that enables us to have a better fortified relationship with God Almighty. Enabling us to make a difference in the world that we impact. Larry, if you want to change hearts and change lives... It's a matter of making an impact, right? It's about reaching out and touching people, right? It's as simple as that. If we were going to touch somebody in our, in our community, we have to be able to have something to give them. If you've got nothing in your cupboard, you can't share with anybody, right? Amen? We're here to fill the cupboard. 
So in Saturday morning prayer, we discuss lots of different things. One of them that hits home to me is God's been speaking to me, and this is for a long time he's been dealing with me about distractions. I like to get on bunny trails. Like, I, I like to do everything. And I'm not kidding when I say everything. I, I put my hand to just about everything. And because of that, I have plates here. I got plates here. I try to spin one over there. And I do that because I enjoy it. But sometimes that becomes a distraction. It's not all bad things. But sometimes I get myself busy doing all these things, and I'm missing the important stuff. So sometimes those good things can take us away from making us stronger and healthier in our relationship with the Lord and, and with one another, because it's about that relationship. You know, we previously sang songs, not today, about, you know, they'll know that we are Christians by our love. Well, that, that's the truth. If, if you can't love people, you don't know God. Hello? If you can't love people, you don't love God. How real is that? He's been speaking to me. Mercy. You want mercy, you better start showing mercy. That's the truth. We like to be judgmental. Maybe it's the way we were raised, and I'm not saying everybody. <laughs> I'm going to pick on me. So I'm trying not to be anymore. And this has been for a while. God's been dealing with me about distractions. About four years. It's a long time, eh? You think I would have caught on. But he's allowed me to clean them up in my life. And change my focuses. Change when I get up in the morning. Change what I do first thing in the day. Change what I put my time and my efforts into. Oh, and I still give myself bunny trails. I'm not going to say what I was just thinking. So. We allow ourselves to get in a position, or sorry, allow yourself to get in a position where God can draw you close to him. Sometimes that's a valley experience, you know, where things are dry and it seems like there's not much going on around you. But the valley can be all kinds of things. So maybe you're here today and the, you're full of fear with the pandemic that they're talking about. I, realistically, the pandemic is more fear than it is anything else. It's, it's driving people from even having relationships with other people. That's not what we were created to be. We're people that require, you know, touch or love. Right? Sharing, caring. And when we skip that, we become isolated, withdrawn, cold, calloused. Maybe it's a job loss. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you had a marital breakdown. Maybe you beat yourself up over it. Maybe you're just having a dry time. Maybe you have no power in your life. Maybe there's no presence in your life. That valley experience, if you allow it to, if you'll draw close to God during that valley time, he promises that he will draw close to you. <clears throat> Regardless of what we're feeling, he's the God of the mountain. He's the God of the valley. He wants us to lean into him. You were singing that this morning. Because that's where we find the peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding. You know why it passes all understanding? Because in the midst of things that everyone else is freaking out about, you do have peace. It passes understanding because you're not allowing everything else to get on the inside. Your innermost being, protected. <clears throat> Thursday night, Pastor Gary was speaking about uh, John fourteen fifteen. 
and he said that, uh, you know, it talks about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I was thinking about it, you know, and if you don't have any peace or you don't have any joy, we need to go back to the beginning. What do we need? Righteousness. We're missing something, right? So if you're missing peace, if you're missing joy, you're missing Jesus. You're missing the righteousness. You're missing the life that he had intended for you. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. <clears throat> Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, Jesus offers the rest. He offers everything we need. Nothing missing. Go ahead, say it, Cyril. Yes, man. He offers peace by pressing into him. We get to receive it. But first, we need to come to him. Scripture again says, seek first the kingdom of God. It's the first thing. It's the priority. When it becomes your priority, your life changes. See, that's the preceptor. It's up to you. That's it. It's up to you. You have to make the choice. Sure, if some of you know the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Okay, I just took the horse to the water. Horse, you have to decide to drink. Right? Seek first the kingdom of God. I, I dare you to try it. I dare you. You know, if the whole church did it, you would have revival in the camp. Mm-hmm. You would have change occur. You would have people's lives change. You'd set people free. Blind people would begin to see. Deaf people would begin to hear. Lame people would begin to walk. We would see the miracles that Jesus taught. He said, We're, we can do it. What's holding us back? Oh, just a second. We are. He's not. He says, my gifts I freely give to you. He didn't say it to tease us. <laughs> that was free. We can become empowered by his word. If you know who you are, what you are, what's yours, the benefits you have, how you are entitled. We live in a world of entitlement, correct? Everybody see that now? People entitled for everything. I, well, I'm sorry. I'm entitled to. I'm entitled as a king's kid. I'm entitled to Abraham's blessings. I'm entitled to everything that is in the scripture. What entitles me to it is to learn what's in there. Ah, seek first the kingdom of God. Remember, the dirty dog double dare you. I just did it again. In my own life, I've got to experience some of these tests and see. Malachi. 310. Test me. Again, distractions. I do odd things. So, like, I might paint a car in the middle of a day. I might build a house. I might, you never know, right? And sometimes I do things that are a little outside the box. So, if I'm painting, like, on an old car, for example, maybe I might do it outside in the wind. I've seen myself have wind come up while I was 
taping something up, going to spray it and speak to the wind and see it stop. I've seen it. I've been at men's prayer and we've prayed about the government and seen men step down. It's not, this stuff isn't by chance, guys. When we started men's prayer here on Saturday, we started to see some interesting things happen in our environment. And some people made light of it because Brother Larry had mentioned one day that there was an earthquake that happened in Fall River or Waverly, which is not far from here. And uh, the word tells us that when people start to pray that things start to change. Even the rocks will cry out. And Larry said, I think that was an answer to our prayer. God's letting us know he's listening. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Because if you believe it, you'll act on it. Don't, tell, don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. If you believe it, you'll act on it. If you'll act on it, you'll see change occur. The rocks will cry out. You need to taste of it yourself. I've tasted it. I've tasted it. I've seen I know the Lord's good. He's good to me. He's blessed me. Give me a wonderful wife. What more can I ask for? I live in a wonderful world to me. And it was nothing I did on my own. That's the amazing part. He did it. Gave us a wonderful church. And the church is the people, just so you know. It's not about buildings. When we stop making it about buildings, we'll get what we want. We'll get revival. Revival's people. It's hearts, lives. Set us free, Lord. You need to taste of it yourself. There's your water, you drink it. Or you don't. I prefer you did. I'm going to do what Jesus did, right? I'm going to lead you to it, tell you what you should do. You should do it. You need to taste. You need to know that God is good. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. In my darkest hour of my entire life, some of you know about it, some of you don't. doesn't really matter. God is so good. Six months before I was in the darkest hour of my entire life, a man had come to see me, and he said, I have no idea why I'm here to see you, but God told me to tell you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. <clears throat> Probably about nine months or 12 months later, I found out what he was talking about. But in the instant, I was reminded of the words. What peace. What peace. It was the only peace I had in my life. <laughs> Amazing, eh? Amazing grace. So think about this. We talked about the water. We talked about the horse. If I told you I had a special bottle of water, and that special bottle of water was going to keep you happy and healthy, strong, beautiful, keep your head of hair, keep you thin or thick, whatever you want to be, <clears throat> but you had to drink it, do you think you would drink it? Do you think you would partake of something that was good for you? 
Okay. So, I guess we've determined you're going to partake of God. So, if you don't know what you're believing in, you need to find out. So, even though you can come to church, you might not know really what you believe in. There's lots of people, lots of good people that come to church that don't necessarily know what they believe in. They don't necessarily know the God they believe in. They don't know him as their best friend. They don't know him as a necessity. See, my God is alive. When I pray, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm going to be bold. So when I pray, he's there to listen. When I walk, he walks with me. When I speak, he cheers me on. When I fall down, he's there to pick me up. Oh, and he said, at this point in time, say BTW. By the way, I am God, and I change not. He doesn't change. Over the past couple months in our church, we've been discussing Habakkuk 2.14, talking about the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Well, the glory of the Lord is in with each, each one of us. If we want the entire earth to have the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, are we not going to have to start to share something? Hmm. I have a question for you. Do you think you might have to share something with somebody to make a difference? No extra charge. I just like to throw stuff like that in and see if you're awake. Don't want anyone falling asleep. If you have to, I get it. But You need to know who you are. You need to know what you are. You need to know why you are. You're here to make a difference. You're not here just to get up and go to work, go home, do the dishes, go back to bed, and get up and go to work and do it again. You're here to impact the world you exist in. It may be as simple as being nice to somebody. Lord forbid. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> but, but honestly, I mean, Pastor Paul's right. You know, be kind to somebody. Say a nice word to somebody. Make somebody smile. If you understood for one second how much power's in this room, there's enough here to change the world. If a handful of men can change a government, <laughs> did, did you hear me? How many people in this room would it take to change this world? Do we not have the ability to dispatch hundreds of thousands of angels to do whatever it is that God wills to do on the face of this planet? Do you believe it? If you believe it, somebody say amen. James 5.16 tells us that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It doesn't come back empty-handed. So confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Hmm. Sounds to me like we need one another. There's no lone ranger here. There's no island unto himself. I need Paul. I need John. I need Quentin. We need one another. That's the way it is. Love one another. Be kind to one another. Show mercy. Allow grace 
to cascade over your life. Feel a little bit like passion translation. If you stay committed to God and fervent in your prayer, you can change your surroundings. We need to learn to think like God if we're going to be like God. If we've been created in his image, has he already done his part? Just a question. Anybody think? Maybe? Larry, do you think? Yep. Good. Here's the interesting part of it. Whatever we have need of in our lives, do you know that he's already provided for it? Anybody have any needs? Anybody want to raise their hand? Anybody? There you Raise your hand. Got a need? Okay. So I just want to let you know that he's already met your need. You got to find out why you don't have the need met. Seek first the kingdom of God. Wow, this is so easy, eh? So how I know that he's already supplied for your need is because it's told to us in the first uh, three chapters of Genesis. See, before God created man, he made everything that man needed to survive. Then he made man. So before we existed, he made everything that we were going to have need of. Think about it. The air that you breathe. Everyone take a breath. God just gave that to you. He supplied it before you needed it. If he didn't, you would have choked a little bit before you got it, right? Okay, hold your hand on your chest for a second. Feel that? He just gave you a heartbeat. Because without him, you don't have one. Just so you know, we are all living, walking miracles. Not by chance. You're here with a purpose. Your life has a purpose. You need to own what the purpose is. You need to buy into what God has for you. Again, Malachi 3.6, I am God, I change not. So, Genesis 2 and 3, it tells us he gave us everything that we needed before he created man. Malachi 3, walk with me through this, I am God, I change not. Wow. So, if he's God and he doesn't change, and he gave us everything before we needed it in the beginning, do we not have it all today? If we're not doing something, what are we missing? We're missing a relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who can change our world today. That is the truth. By the way, the truth can set you free. James 1.17 says that there's no shadow of turning in him. That means, again, he doesn't change. He's the same. He's the same yesterday, today forever. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. I guess we can be fairly confident that he's not changing. He's pretty set in what he does, right? And the father and son are as one. Not that they were one in body, but one in nature. They were identical in their thinking. That's what makes it so interesting when we have children. They're one with us. If you can understand that relationship, you can understand that relationship with the father. I go in, my daughter, I've got a six-month-old grandson, and my daughter has a Hubble camera in the room. And so they're on the other side of the country, and I every day go in and watch them sleep. It's a miracle of God. Not the Hubble camera. It is too, but the reality is he's a miracle of God. That little body that will grow. He looks like I looked when I was his size. 
Is that not a miracle? Like, God is awesome. He allows us to procreate, making another in the image of, oh, us, as God created us in his image. He didn't do it to be freak show. He did it so we would be people, so we'd be people that were excited about serving a God that cared so much about every aspect of our lives, that we would buy into him, that we'd buy into the good that he has for us, the love, the peace, the joy. Somebody get excited. I am. Everywhere we read, we get the same story, right? God doesn't change. He's provided. Whether that means you need a healing today, he's already healed you. Whether you need finances today, he's already supplied for your need. Whether you need food today, clothing today, friends today, maybe it's a mate. Maybe you're looking for a spouse. Don't know. God has met the need. If you have a need, he has met the need. Now you need to tie into him so he can open doors but allow him to open doors, allow him to close the doors, and allow Romans 8.28 to take place in your life, which is something I've learned very much so. What is it? Everybody know? All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. If I truly believe all things work for my good, then I can allow doors to close, I can allow doors to open, because it's for my good. I shared with the men uh, yesterday morning, um, on Friday afternoon, I was trying to get away from work, and um, I had something I wanted to go do, my distraction. <laughs> I admitted it, see? And, uh, but I, everything's changed hours, and I had to be out at a specific time, and so I told my wife, and she held me up, so I didn't make it. So my first thought was a little agitated, right? And then I said, I'm not allowing that to get under my craw. I mean, at the end of the day, God kept me from it for a reason. And I know why, because yesterday morning I would have been out it with a distraction instead of spending the quality time that I spent with him. Isn't that cool? It is for me. If it isn't for you, well, too bad. I feel bad for you. So just to clarify, um, uh, let's go to James 4, 8. This is an interesting scripture. How easy, eh? Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So I think at the time, Paul might have been speaking to the church. Isn't that interesting? Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So if we at all think that maybe we fit in any of the categories there, <laughs> we need to listen, draw near to God, and then stop doing the things that draw us away from him. I looked at Merriam-Webster's uh, uh, meaning of double-mindedness, and it says, one, wavering in mind, undecided, vacillating. It's a big word. Second meaning was insincere. So. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your insincere mind. In other words, you're not 100% in. God wants us 100% in. Remember, remember I mentioned about the jealous God? Yeah. He wants you 100% to himself. He'll bless you. He'll look after you. He'll pour his life out in you. You got to walk in that, though. So, again, if you think it, 
if you think you may fall into one of these categories, you can fix this by being diligent to present yourselves approved to God. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, allowing the scripture, the word of truth, to get into your heart, into your mind, to transform your thinking, that you become the man, the woman of God that you were called to be. Amen? Good. Everybody with me? So we have a position to play. We have a part to play. It's like a hockey team. Anybody watch hockey? Okay. So in a hockey team, there's six players, unless you're watching this year and this are five, but there's six players on each team playing on the ice at the same time. If you remove the goalie from the net, what's the likelihood of the other team scoring? Pretty good. Right? So we all have a position to play on a team. We're part. One of us might be a hand. One of us might be an arm. One of us might be a foot. We're all part of a body that has a position to play. We all actively are part of something. But we need to surrender our will to God to allow Jesus change us. Right? Jesus was the best at surrendering his will. Even at Gethsemane, he knew what was about ready to happen on the cross, and he prayed to the Father that it would be taken from him. But as humble as he was, he then said, nonetheless, not my will, but thine be done. If we can live our lives that today, we can say, nonetheless, not my will, but thine. We can have our wants, we can have our thought processes and what we want to do in our lives. But God wants us to submit to his will, that it can be perfected in us. Question. And I pose this to the men of the assembly that showed up for prayer. If 200 people, lost and lonely, lined up at the front door of this building this morning, would you be a help? Just think about it. I don't want anyone to jump up and give me an answer. Settle down. I know you're thinking about it. Would you want to help? There's a good one. What could you offer? If you have any holes in any of those questions, we need to find out why. Because it's going to happen. You can be part of the problem, part of the solution. That's the two teams that are on the ice this time. Right? You want to be part of that solution, right? You want to be the part that makes the difference. I heard a story of, of an indigenous man who was asked, why does it always rain when you people do a rain dance? The indigenous leader responded, and he says, because I dance until it rains. Are you praying for a miracle today? Why don't you pray until you get a miracle? Don't pray for your miracle. Pray until you get a miracle. What's your focus on, right? Where's your expector? You expect God to do something when you don't want to do your part? Hmm. Interesting, eh? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I already read this before, and I will give you rest. 29 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle, lowly in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus is there to offer help. We need to be Jesus to the 200 that I was just talking about. We need to be Jesus to 500 or to 5,000 or just the one. That was his position, right? And that's kind of where we need to start living. Jesus offered humility, kindness, gentleness, mercy, compassion for the lost and the hurting. Make us more like you, Lord. Luke 7, 13 says that the Lord saw her and he felt compassion for her. He was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion when he seen the, the groups of people that would come before him in need. Lord, help us to have compassion on people. Do you have mercy? Do you have compassion? Are you faithful to what God's called you to? You want to change your world that you live in? You want to change your city? You want to change your town, province, country? If you're under the sound of my voice today, you'd like to receive life, life more abundantly? You can raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come up to the front, but we will pray. God's, God's got a call for each person. And sometimes, you know, we don't move necessarily in the way that we should. But he wants to offer a change for that today. That we can start operating the way he wants us to operate. That we can actively step into his will for our lives. <clears throat> Matthew 9, Luke 5, and Mark 2. It's the story of the paralyzed man, and in Mark and Luke both says that the friends of the paralyzed man couldn't get the paralyzed man close enough to Jesus, so they took him up on the roof and cut a hole in the roof and lowered the man down. Jesus said, one version says, son, your sins are forgiven. The other one says, man, your sins are forgiven. What's holding you back in your life today? What's holding you back from your miracle or your blessing? He's got it for you. Jesus could have said, rise and be healed, but he didn't. There was something in the man's life that was holding him from his healing. So he forgave him of his sin. There's something, if there's something in your life that's holding you from your healing, if there's something in your life that's holding you from your miracle, whether it be yourself that you don't seek God, whether it be yourself that you don't press in to God. You need to press in. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.